This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. Well, for our teaching time today, we're going to look at the gospel passage. So we're going to take a closer look at Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 through 45. But we're probably not going to get to all of those verses. Now, our gospel begins with a betrayal. You have ever been betrayed? Has anyone been betrayed? And so it didn't make you feel too good, did it? And was the betrayal by someone you knew and trusted? And that makes it more heinous, doesn't it? In today's terms, it says that they gave Judas Iscariot 30 pieces of silver. And that actually equals out to about $300. So Jesus was sold for the price of 300 bucks. In Hebrew culture, 30 pieces of silver was not a lot of money, according to the Got Questions Christian Bible Answer site. In fact, it was the exact price paid to the master of a slave if and when his slave was gored by an ox. The slave's death was compensated by the 30 pieces of silver. There are two other places in the Bible that specifically mention the amount of 30 pieces of silver, and they are directly linked. The first passage is in Zechariah, which contains a prophecy that is later fulfilled in the book of Matthew. And leading up to the prophecy of the 30 pieces of silver is a description of a strange episode in Zechariah's life. And this is Zechariah, the post-exilic prophet, not the Zechariah who turned out to be the father of John the Baptist. God had the prophet Zechariah play the part of a shepherd and to care for a flock doomed to slaughter. It's in Zechariah 11, 4-14. God used this to illustrate a prophetic judgment against Israel crucifying Christ, predicting the fall of Israel in A.D. 70 and the subsequent scattering of the nation. There are several elements in this passage that point to it as a prophecy about Jesus. First, Zechariah says he got rid of three shepherds of the doomed flock. The three shepherds are probably a reference to the three religious offices in the time of Jesus. The elders the scribes, and the chief priests. Second, Zechariah breaks his first two shepherding staffs. Or he breaks his two shepherding staffs. One is named Favor and is broken to symbolize the breaking of the Mosaic Covenant by the disobedient people and God setting aside his favor or providential care to allow judgment to come upon them. The second staff named Union is broken to represent the breaking up of the nation by the Romans. 
Another prophetic reverence, reference is found in the 30 pieces of silver again given to Zechariah after his work as a shepherd. He went to those he worked for and asked them to pay him what they thought he was worth. They gave him 30 pieces of silver, which, is, which he sarcastically calls a handsome price, because it was such a small amount. The price paid for a slave's accidental death. The employers meant to insult Zechariah with this amount of money, and returning the insult, God tells Zechariah to throw it to the potter. And Zechariah tossed the money into the house of the Lord to be given to the potter. These actions are a shockingly accurate and detailed prophecy for when Judas Iscariot bargained with the leaders of Israel to betray the Lord Jesus. He asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? The murderous cabal then counted out for Jesus 30 pieces of silver. That's all they considered Jesus to be worth. Later, Judas was overcome with guilt for betraying Jesus and fulfilling Zechariah's vivid prophecy he threw the 30 pieces of silver into the temple and the Jewish leaders used the 30 pieces of silver to buy a field from a potter. Again, as Zechariah had prophesied and it was in that field that Judas hanged himself. Wow. Why did Judas betray Jesus? Good question. We maybe been wondering why would he do that besides the fact that it was prophecy that he would do it but why would he do that and you see through the centuries many suggestions have been offered regarding the motive of Judas in betraying Jesus Matthew 10:4 calls him Judas Iscariot it may be that he was from Kerioth a city in southern Judea this would make Judas the only Judean among the other disciples who were all Galileans. Some wonder if Judas resented the leadership of the Galilean fishermen among the disciples and finally had enough of it. Perhaps Judas was disillusioned with the type of Messiah Jesus revealed himself to be, wanting a more political conquering Messiah. Perhaps Judas watched the ongoing conflict between Jesus and and the religious leaders, and concluded that they were winning, and Jesus was losing. Therefore, he decided to cut his losses and join the winning side. Perhaps he came to the conclusion that Jesus was simply not the Messiah, or a true prophet, even as Saul of Tarsus had believed. And some even suggest that Judas did this from a noble motive that he was impatient for Jesus to reveal himself as a powerful Messiah, and he thought that this would force him to do this. And whatever the specific reason, the scriptures present no sense of reluctance in Judas, and only one motivation, greed. The words stand, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And so they counted out those 30 pieces of silver. That's according to David Guzik, and it sums up fairly well Judas's possible motives. But ultimately, we know it was self-interest and greed that led him to do it. And the Pharisees could only find that Jesus was worth 30 pieces of silver. 
that small amount, which is, like we said, according to the value of silver, about 300 bucks. So Judas sold out the Messiah of the world for $300. Now, think about this. Jesus said, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish is the one who's going to betray me. But you see, Jesus said this not to point out a specific disciple because they all dipped with him. Instead, Jesus identified the betrayer as a friend, someone who ate at the same table with him. Then Judas has the nerve to ask Jesus, Rabbi, is it I? Think about that. He had already planned the sellout. He'd already collected the money. And so he has the guts and the ultimate level of betrayal and treachery to ask, is it I, Lord? Because both Jesus and he both knew who it was. And the answer to that was yes. Because Jesus said to him, you have said it. Now, we've gone over the words of institution for the Eucharist several times, so we're going to skip over that part. And, he, and it says then that they sang. And it says also that Jesus sang. He sang before his crucifixion. Could we sing, any of us, could we sing, any of us, if we were facing a trial like Jesus, would we be able to sing a joyful song or a hymn? I don't think so. Because if I was facing something like that, singing a happy tune would be the last thing on my mind. Trust me. And it probably would be the last thing on any of our minds, too. Now, all of you will be made to stumble, verse 31, because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So Jesus prophesies again that all of the disciples are going to run away. Now, Peter displays his bravado. Now, does anybody know what bravado actually means? It means pretentious bravery. And he says, I will never betray you. Even if I have to die, I will never betray you. Now, think about this. Jesus pretty well said something to the effect of, Peter, what part of all did you not understand? Because the scripture says, and Jesus said, all of you will fall away. Now, Jesus then is going to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what does this teach us? Well, Michael Green says, for what a lot there is to learn about prayer here, in the example of the Master first, it teaches us the necessity of prayer, even when the hard times seem intolerable, when the most crucial and demanding action in the world's history was about to happen, it had to be rooted in prayer, and Jesus then knew it was essential. Secondly, it teaches us the value of shared prayer. Jesus longed for the encouragement of sharing this prayer time with his disciples, but they were too tired and they failed him. He had promised that where two or three come together in my name, 
Here, there, I, there am I with them. But when he himself needed them, no two or three were to be found. Thirdly, it teaches us that there is value in repeated prayer. You remember, Jesus goes and prays that three times. But the key words in Jesus's prayer were, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus also models for us the willingness for self-sacrifice, which a lot of us are not too thrilled about doing, are we? If most of the time, I would guess that if any of us are normal, that we would probably not be willing to sacrifice ourselves. Yeah, we might if we were forced to. Jesus models for us the total willingness for surrender. Now, those disciples were sleeping when Jesus came back for them. And here is a story that kind of relates to that, and it's from Jack Graham. And he tells this story, and it's based on Romans 12:15. A mother sent her little girl to a neighbor's house down the street or on an errand, thinking it would only take her about 10 minutes or so, actually. The girl hadn't returned after about 30 minutes. So the mom stepped outside to look down the street to see if she was coming. And she says to the little girl, what took you so long? I'm sorry, mom. When I got to the house, my friend had broken her doll and needed help to fix it. Well, what did you do to fix it? Mom says. The little girl responded, I cried with her and now it's better. That's exactly what a lot of folks need today, not someone who can put the pieces back together, but they need someone who will grieve with them and take the time to empathize with them. And here is an example where the disciples failed in the possibility of doing just that, waiting and grieving and absorbing the pain of their master who was getting ready to sacrifice himself. They missed that opportunity to weep with those who weep in that moment because what were they doing? Sleeping. What we have to consider is this this morning. Where is our heart? Are we willing and able to walk with Jesus even to that place of sacrifice? Are we willing to lay down our lives for him when the time comes? And surely all of us in this safe place, relatively safe, would say, oh yeah, I'm willing to do that. But we have to make up our minds that when the time comes, we're not going to betray Jesus. We're going to walk with him. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.Podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page.
That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your power for living.